I said, welcome to the 14th episode of Born in Trouble. 15. 15th episode of Born in Trouble. Okay. Was it 13? It's 50. Well, anyway. I think it's 15. Y'all here now. Good, good, good to see you did all that prep work before the show. Well, you know me, man. I'm always prepared. You know me, always prepared. You and you and Paris Smith, as Eagle Scouts hear, for life. As you can hear, Mr. Robert Brooks, he's back again, causing trauma from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Rob, we missed you, man. The people, the audience didn't know what to do without you coming in with your smarky comments and sticking me in the gut. So really, thank you for showing. You're, that well, you know, I hate to disappoint your fans. I hope it's not going to be one of those shows. <laughs> and of course, from Detroit, Michigan, the City Wing King, Mr. Grant Lancaster. What up, How you be? I know you guys can't hear the sound effects, but they come through loud and clear and on my end. And when I put the video in there, everybody else can hear them, except for on this YouTube channel, So, which is a fairly new thing. So tonight's episode mm-hmm. is dedicated to the one, the only, Large Marge. That's right. <laughs> Large Marge, in case you didn't hear about it. Pee Wee Herman has passed away today. Oh, what a sad thing, Mr. Paul Rubens. The man who bought us Lawrence Fishburne in a in a cowboy hat. And True. um and um where what was he wearing? Those fur chaps? Oh, he had some chaps yeah, on the, cow, on that yeah, the cow, too. Yeah, the cow print chaps. Yeah, so yes, the man who bought who took That'll. If you really want to upset that whole thought, that whole Matrix thing, watch that for a little while. It'll just change your whole life and everything. Lawrence Fishburne. (laughs) From Apocalypse Now to Apocalypse Cow, Lawrence Fishburne. Wow, that was bad. Friend of Pee Wee Herman. I'm making all these cultural references that most of these people don't even understand. They've never even heard it. They don't know that Lawrence Fishburne was in Apocalypse Now, and they don't even know Apocalypse Now, you know, which right. was a which was an interesting story back in the day about the Vietnam War. And if you don't know that story about Lawrence, he was 15 years old, I believe, when he tried for that movie and. Um, he told them that he was 18 years old, but it's obvious if you see him in the movie, he looks like a little kid. He does. Yeah, he does. Looks like a little kid. He looks like he's 15 or 16 years old. And he's out there, and he went out there, and he shot that movie in the rice patties with the bugs, and we got quite an experience. So, um, well, He got to see a little bit of it all. He spent like a year over, I think it was in the Philippines. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. was... You know, yeah. there's a there's a making of, you know, the, the making of that movie was so traumatic that there's a making of Apocalypse oh, really? Now. Oh, yeah. Is that really? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. You know, Martin Sheen had a heart attack during the middle of that shooting. I mean, he was, you know, Fish was in way over his head with some of the stuff that he was seeing there. Yeah. Drug use and stuff. I'm sure. But 17 years old, 15, 16 years old. But, hey, you know, Pee Wee Herman... Also gone. Never even got to see the basement of the Alamo. It's a damn shame. Now, this is a man who popularized um, masturbation in adult theaters at one point. (laughs) Did he really popularize it? I don't know. I, I think he just got. I think he just got swept up in the craze. Yeah, I'm not really sure that he was. Not really sure that he was advocating for I it. I don't think anybody ever did that before. Pee Wee did it because this is America. We've only had good, clean fun here. There was no such thing as a triple X rated theater where men would go and sit down next to each other, and sometimes, well, anyway, lots of stuff happened in the 70s and 80s that they don't want you knowing about. But they're worried yeah, about CRT. They're worried about CRT. Right. There's a whole line of work. Jizz moppers. 
Like that's that's a that's a career choice for some people. Yeah, yeah, it actually was. But I don't know if it's much of a choice. Your dumb, <laughs> your dumb ass is kind of stuck in that business. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Pee Wee Herman, he had uh, he did one of the famous, most famous scenes of our childhood, Rob and Grant. Which was the scene with Large Marge in Pee Wee's Great Adventure. Mm-hmm. All throughout high school, we were going around screaming Large Marge at different periods of time. And it's obvious that he was a friend of black people because he had Lawrence Fishburne and Chaps on his show. So. He had a, a, a Path of Murkerson was on there too. Was she really? really? Yeah. What what role did she play? She was. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I forget wow. the title of her role, but yeah. A lot of famous people, a lot of black people actually got their starts in public education. Lawrence Fishburne is one of them. Um, of course, Morgan Freeman, we all know the electric company. Bill Cosby was, you know, extremely instrumental in building that up and everything. So what is it about, like, you know, children's stuff and... <laughs> well, <laughs> well, hey, so so ironically, Gordon from Sesame Street was Willie Dynamite first. So it's like Willie Dynamite walked off the walked off the uh, he bends that corner and then it was Sesame Street. Oh. Yeah, so he was he was the pimp Willie Dynamite and then Willie he Dynamite. was Gordon from Sesame Street. That must have been true. Gordon looked like a pimp too. That must. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really? That must have been traumatizing oh, yeah. for some kids, man. <laughs> you know? Well, hey, if you were a kid, you didn't see Willie Dynamite but you know until what, you though? became older. But you know, public public well, education really had, public education really got its start in inner cities. A lot of people don't um, know the history of that with PBS and you know a lot of the free um, stations, Channel Thirteen here in New York, and they really developed those programs to kind of equal out what was going on with suburban kids who were getting one-on-one teaching in places like Head Start and things like that. Mm -hmm. The electric company and Sesame Street was the balancing factor between those two different things. So it did hold a very important point at this point, which makes it even more so interesting that in the past like five years, we've seen Sesame Street sold to HBO, um, no longer available for inner-city kids. Um, the dumbing down just continues all the way around, all the way around. And now that Paul Rubens is dead, we won't be getting Pee Wee's Adventure Show back anytime soon. <laughs> Even though I think that would have been a hard thing to get financed in this day and age. What do you no, think? I mean he had, he did like a little reunion tour a couple of years ago, and it was very well received. Like it, it's that's all been forgiven. That's all. He's all good now. Well, let's be honest. Yeah. Whoever hasn't masturbated, please raise your hand. I think it's the movie theater that's the problematic piece. There was the problematic piece in that moment. But that's even true. then. I've never masturbated right. in a movie theater. That was what? 90s? 80, oh, late 80s, 90s? Uh, 90s. Oh, I thought you were yeah. trying to put adjectives to what he was doing at that time. Creative. <laughs> bold. <laughs> Innovative. He was a trailblazer. He he was yeah. He definitely left the trail. That's for yeah. sure. You know. <laughs> but hey, you know what? The man is gone and everything. So let me not waste all my time saying bad things about him because it's really all. He really was a great entertainer. Even this conversation is entertaining. His, yeah. his spin of on Buffy wasn't he in Buffy or something? Wasn't he a vampire leader on or something? Or I don't know. I didn't look him up. A vampire? You know, I don't, I don't it's, remember that. It's more than trouble. I'm not allowed to actually do research on white people that we're going to talk about. It's like okay. the we got to go strictly from memory when we're talking about famous white people. Oh, okay. Just kind of like to, level the field I, I, out. I have to remember that. We have to remember Did that you, next time. Speaking of pimps, I know you didn't see Tyrone. Did you see they cloned Tyrone Grant? Not yet. So I've I've had so many people ask me about it, but I haven't seen it yet. What is you it? you have to what you have to see it. it. Tell tell us about it. 
you know. I, I see. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to ruin. I can't ruin this part. Yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's a black sci-fi film. Right. It takes place in a neighborhood, which is sort of um southern. You know, maybe slightly suburban. You know, it could be anywhere really. Okay. Um, and it's just the 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 materialism, um, the very sort of repetitive nature of of black life in some communities and um it's really hard to discuss the movie without sort of revealing what happened but you have a basically you have an adventure what what winds up happening is you have an adventure between a drug dealer a pimp and one of his hoes Mm -hmm. and they wind up going on this adventure ultimately to save their community I definitely like I definitely want to see it now I'm like ready to end the show right yeah, now. Jamie, Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox is absolutely out of his mind. Let's, let's, uh, let's Tiana Paris is a little is a, is a little stick of dynamite. Oh my god. Like every time every Ooh. time she comes on the screen, she just blows everything up. Mm-hmm. Listen. You like Tiana she can Paris? Get it. Yes, sir. Is there someone else Thicker-er. that should be getting Thicker? Are we gonna have one of the one of the little dynamite boxes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice little chocolate piece. I love it. I know people by face now, but I don't really know them by name and face too much. I'm I'm stuck at Megan Good. That was that's my last one and everything. You're gonna be masturbating in a time machine soon, like Megan Good. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But listen, she young girl to me. To me, she young girl. See, that's when you when you get old, everybody's a young girl. And everything. Some you can't even touch. Some some so young you just don't even want to be bothered with them. Like ah, hit me up in a decade. Got no time for that. <laughs> it, it happens, Holmes. It happens. Hey, look. So you guys, yeah, have- y'all, y'all gotta y'all, y'all gotta go check that out. Like this week, you have to because I need I need to be able to bounce the. The conclusion that they come to, I need to be able to bounce it off some people. I need to see see if everybody else thinks it's as you know. Not even gonna right, label I'm it. In. I'm it's in. Not even gonna label like it. A, like a modern day comfort story, people explaining the comfort of low expectations right now. Like Grant, you sent that clip today about James Ball when I was just watching it before um, the beginning of the show, and um, that the brother was very deep and everything, very very deep. Yeah. It's like, you know, the um, thought process of someone in the 1960s, 1950s back then when he was starting mm-hmm. and um, speaking so plainly and so eloquently to the white power structure that had no use for him whatsoever. They were more intrigued at the fact that he was so bold and interested in saying those things that, you know, mm-hmm. he became infamous. And these are the ones that once you pass away, once they pass away, they want to bury him forever. But that brother will not stay buried. He will not stay buried. And Rob, nah, he was a he was he was a, a highly highly intellectual thinker, man. Like to do to do. I mean, well, I mean, he was a writer, though. You know what I mean? So writers are typically, or in the days anyway, writers were typically intelligent people. You know, I mean, dude was well read, did it all, saw a lot. The struggle that went on in the fifties and sixties when he was coming up, you know, I mean, it just created this, just created this dynamic character, man. I love that. Yeah, great dude. Are we in the struggle now, or are we? You know, where are we as a society right now? It's like to me, it seems like it's a bit of a malaise. I see these cats like you know, we've got half of the country, or supposedly half of the country. Even the Trump tour right now wasn't as strong as it used to be. Um, I think people have, I think that, and this is what my theory has always been about people. Um, Once you get a certain level of comfort, they lose interest. Absolutely. It seems right now there's a certain level of comfort that even amongst that, amongst that MAGA crowd, that they just really don't want to be bothered, you know, with the, with the fight. But then we've still got that, you still got that strong 30%, 30 to 40% that's 
fully invested in hatred and talking about hatred and being mad all the time and being angry all the time, does that carry over? Does that actually build any momentum to something bigger? Or are people like really starting to listen to the narratives? Because this is what I'm hearing right now. I'm hearing people actually listening to the narratives about Donald Trump um, wanting to run for president strictly for the fact that he's trying to stay out of jail. And I think people are starting to believe it. What do you think? Is he losing some type of power with his base? See, I don't see that yet. Like, I don't see that yet. I still see I still see too many people caping for him. I still see too many people who are, you know, worried about Hunter Biden. One chair removed. Like, that's crazy, man. They showed that guy is they showed that guy is peepee. They hate the president so much that they showed his they showed his like, you know, penis in like Congress. That's like unprecedented. We've reached all time well, lows. Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is here to make sure that we absolutely get to the bottom. She's here to make sure that we absolutely scrape the bottom. She had that one up. One, that was her peewee moment. She had that one up in her room. <laughs> you know, that's the only way you're so comfortable showing that, bringing that out and showing it to a group of people. It's just like, honestly, it's like the old thing. With, like, I want to show these pictures of this child porn. Where'd you get those pictures? Uh... <laughs> Pardon me while I whip this out. How do you explain this? And she whipped it out. How do you explain this? This is, you know, we are. You show a picture of a of a man. Wow. Yeah, you know, I I think just kind of to answer your question, man. I think everything is kind of just bubbling. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 simmering right now. You know what I mean? It, what, you, what you think is calm is probably not really calm. It's just waiting for a catalyst to really set it off again. Because I believe people lose interest. That's what you know, but, the, felt. but the feelings are still there. That's the way Hunter Biden felt when he whipped that thing out. It was a catalyst. <laughs> he was being a catalyst for other things. I haven't actually seen the picture. Uh, unfortunately... <laughs> The, the thing that's most likely to become the catalyst, and it, it doesn't bode well for us, is that Joe Biden has a health event. They have to pass the presidency to his vice president, and the right. MAGA crowd oh. sees a black woman with the, at the seat of power, and they will absolutely lose their mind. They will Oof. absolutely be in the mood to burn this thing down. Oof. You know that's the whole argument about voting Republican is to make sure that Kamala never sits in that chair. And that's really the only way that Kamala ever gets to sit in that chair, because there's no possible way that America is going to vote Kamala into the presidency. Um, whether or not we like her or not is irrelevant to the conversation and everything. And if, they could, if they couldn't vote Hillary, and there's no way they're voting Kamala. No possible way. So what, is, so what happens on the day when... We has that health event and Kamala takes over the presidency. Do we have AKAs going crazy across the country and everything stepping into workplaces? Um, what does that actually look like when that actually happens? I don't know if you cats are still there because um, I think you're all frozen. But for that's not the that's not the uproar that I'm worried about. <laughs> okay, I just said there yeah, there will be an uprising among the AKs all over the country. They'll be attacking the yards at various schools. Uh, as one of theirs ascends to the seat of power. Are mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all step battles? But that's now? not the uprising that I'm worried about. That's not the, it's the, hill, it's the hillbillies. It's the hillbillies you're worried about. No. It's the hillbillies I'm worried about. Because it's going to be the end of all of the step battles on online. Deltas are I mean, for that, well, second everywhere across <laughs> the country. These are important issues. Just. Well, they are very important issues, but, you know, primary to to some of those people is that, you know, not only did we have one, you know, we had a nigger before and now we got a we got a nigger bitch president. What? Their minds will be exploding. (laughs) They won't be able to handle it, folks. Like, there's no way. They wake up every day and they can't be president. How the fuck can we let that happen? It won't be nice. It won't be nice. 
I don't know if I should edit that for just for the um, terminology because you used it perfectly and quite eloquently. And oh, all I mean, all you know, really doing is expressing what they would, what they're actually thinking. That, what they're going unfortunately, to say. that is what they say. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, it'll be up to Black Man the Protector at that point in time. We can't get one of the problems with Kamala is that um, her record as district attorney. There are a lot of brothers that did not enjoy their time in front of her, um, going and against yeah, her. That's not shocking. Like she's in, she's in the system. It's like saying, you know, you met you met a black cop and he was just like every other cop. No shit, he's a cop. Right. He was a prosecutor. That's what they, you know, that's the, sort of the that's the water that you're stuck in. You bathe in that water long enough, you're going to become just like everybody else. Oh. The problem is the people. We got to lock them up. We got to keep, we got to lock them up and throw away the key. Well, if anything, you've got to be two or three times as bad, you know, worse. You've got to make sure that, you know, that's the whole thing about proving to a certain group of people that you're actually capable of doing the job. You have to step on your own. It's the only position where it's the only, it's the, this is the only country where in order to prove that we're worthy, we have to, prove that we're willing to step on our own. Every other area, every other people in the country, they get a job. If you're an Asian, Asians rejoice because they know that they're getting the contracts, they're getting the money. The Indian community and Indian person is there. Hey, it's one in the family and everything. Black person, uh, I don't know about this guy. And that kind of goes along the lines of these Republican senators right now that have had the wake-up call with Ron DeSantis down there in Florida who have now come out and said that, hey, you're going a little bit too far with the slavery talk. There really wasn't anything that was good in the slavery conversation. Cut it out. And my question was, do you feel that these um, black senators now and these black um, Republicans conservatives that have come out and gone against the green and now they're receiving backlash from the base are the checks enough to keep them employed are they going to be able to keep their jobs and keep their seats now that they've said hey we're almost we've almost sold completely out but there's still a little bit left so you know I don't. I don't think there's. I don't think there's anything left. I th- in in order to in order to be in that in that line of work, you know what I mean. You got to have some dirt on you. And the American way, black. I don't think that black folks uh, like throw black folks under the bus just because they want to. I think that's just the American way. You know what I mean. And and as we've come up in this America, we've seen everybody else. You know, exploit us throw us under the bus, abuse us. We've seen everybody else do it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a natural progression for us to do it too. You know, it just hurts us more because we're closer. You know what I mean? Like you expect it from other people, but you don't necessarily expect it from yourself. Well, but, but you would expect it from a Tim Scott. Um, Tim Scott is hardcore South Carolina Republican. And he needed that white base of voters in order to become a Senator in the state of South Carolina. So and exactly kinfolk. Like, you know, he he, he looks like he was down with the posse. You you were locked up for there for a moment there, Brother John. Okay. Let's do a dead air thing for a second so that way I can edit this part out. And if anyone is watching, I don't know if anyone's watching right now, just make funny faces at the screen so that way they're entertained while I do this. <laughs> and in the event that you freeze this way, in the event that you actually freeze during the situation, they'll have something funny. Robert, it's not funny. You're not supposed to do that. That's like, <laughs> yeah, he's vulgar. <laughs> he's vulgar. <laughs> We've got is that a, is that a Pee Wee Herman thing? Is that a you know tribute no. to large Marge? Pee Wee was. Herman? Oh yeah, Pee Wee on the bar was that thing. The algorithm had hasn't made the connection yet. Well, yeah, Joski loves it. Here we go. Here we go. We're back. We're back once more. So, uh, where were we at? Pee Wee Herman and Large Marge. Yeah, 
Nah, I think we were past Pee Wee Herman. We were at Tim Scott. You were about to say some particularly horrible things about Tim Scott. <laughs> you know how much I love Uncle Again, Timmy. Again, you were about to call him Uncle Tim Scott. You know how I love Uncle Timmy, bro. He's uh, someone that I aspire to and I admire. Um, if you want to learn how to sell out your fellow man and make a profit, Tim Scott, if he's got any book, you know, his library books are the ones to read. Um, yeah. How to Point the Clan in the Right Direction by Tim Scott. Um, yeah. But apparently... How to like, fuck friends and irritate people. Yeah, yeah. That's I. That sounds great. <laughs> you know, but, but apparently, like, you know, the, these um, black Republican conservatives have had a come-to-Jesus moment where they've said that the CRT is wrong for you to teach. This teaching in Florida is wrong for you to be teaching that slavery is actually was actually a job provider you know <laughs> that's hilarious the motherfuckers it was like trickle it was like trickle hey. down, you know slavery economics. they needed overseers they needed overseers. they had to hire overseers yeah, they like, had to hire overseas. Bro, like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me, bro. Hey, hey, man, some of that stuff they did on the, you know, on the plantation became useful out in the real world, man. Like, it, it gave them some, it was like going to BOCES. Yeah. Like, yeah, slavery right. was like going to BOCES. Yeah. Gave them some real world skills that they could, yeah. you know, they'd go pimp out afterwards. That's why they made the black and codes. Just, hey, you guys, you learned a whole bunch of skills living on that plantation. You boys got a job right now? Why not? Why I don't have a job. I just happen to be walking through the town. Guess what? Clink, clink. You're under arrest. Yeah. You got a job now for the rest of your life. <laughs> try to, try yeah. that in a small town. The black holes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, try that in a small Slave. time, right? Slavery is the gift that keeps on giving. Gives yeah. us a, a, a decent movie every so often. Yeah, you know, A horrible movie every so often. I mean, listen, if we're going to connect, let's connect some dots. Let's try to, this conversation has been kind of going in different places here. So let me just try to connect the dot for most people who don't understand what slavery actually meant and the boon that slavery was. First of all, there's a reason why you have records of slave ships and all this other stuff, but no record of where those people were taken from, where they came from, what their names were, what their origins were, and everything. There's a reason why. So when you see your black Israelite standing on the corner telling you that there's a possibility that he is descended from a tribe of Yeshua or a tribe that's a, a tribe that's in Ethiopia or one of the original tribes of Israel, it's a very strong possibility that it's true because if it wasn't, why would the history be hidden? Why hide the history of the origin of the people? Why try to make sure that they're all wiped out? Why is it when they came over, they said, don't speak your language? Because the history of some of the people, some of the slaves that were speaking, what they were speaking was actually Yiddish. They were speaking Hebrew. That's what they were speaking. They were writing in Hebrew. Let's even break it down to some of you, some people's like favorite whiskey, which is Jack Daniels which was taught to him by a slave. How did the slave get the knowledge to actually brew such a fine, such a fine, like, alcohol? The reason being is that he learned it from Africa. A lot of these people came over. When you went to the slave trade, what did they ask about the slaves? What skills do they possess? Mm -hmm. These people were not coming by talking in grass skirts with no skills whatsoever. They had skills. They had abilities. And the only thing that this country has done is continue to cultivate those people, black people's ADOS's abilities for the gratification of the entire country. And that's just how it is. These people didn't come over with no skills. They didn't come over like stupid. 
and everything, it would be stupid to think of that. Why is it that some slaves were valued more than others? Do you think that there were all these educated white people that were down in the fields that were teaching these people all of these skills? They possessed these skills already. They had them. They knew about iron working. They knew about, like, distilling things. They knew about growing food. They knew all of these things already. Yeah, I mean, they they were alive. So, you know what I mean? They had they had to be able to grow fruit, grow food. You know what I mean? Like they, it was just certain things. They came from, they came from communities. They had to do certain things. So of course they didn't. They of course they came over here with skills in that. But it's hard to, it's hard to justify chattel slavery if you if you are enslaving the people that are equal to you or possibly even greater, you know what I mean, in terms of their contribution to the world. So you have to sell that narrative that, yeah, they were bones in the nose. They were, you know, they had big cauldrons, you know, cooking, they were cannibals, cooking people, all that, all that type of shit. But, you, you, yeah, you got to sell that narrative. And, and America did. And it continues to do so. Absolutely. And that- that note of frustration that it can, that it continue that they continue to do so, that note of frustration carries through. They clone Tyrone and leads somebody to make a very wild uh, choice that you know. You it's see, an interesting choice, but a wild. Got to see this movie. We should have made this like I should have made this like I tried to make it today, but unfortunately I got caught up at. Fortunately and unfortunately, I got caught up at working. And talking to people all day long, so I didn't get a chance to take a break today and watch a movie. But I will. Yeah, I was I was supposed to watch it over the weekend, which is which is crazy. But this weekend just turned out to be a blowout. It's like it's like the devil is definitely coming at coming full speed right now. Last week was the heat wave. I guess that was the crack. All of the people climbing up out and everything. Here we come. Now they seal the clack crack up and the people are they're just inhabiting bodies and causing problems. So what do we say to that? We say Woosa Woosa and grab an X. <laughs> so I don't know guys. I don't know. So you guys have anything you want to talk about this week? Anything that pissed you off whatsoever? Nothing that you're happy about? Nothing you want to share with people? Well, you know, things generally don't piss me off. That's not that's not what we had. I, I got I got some watermelons in my CSA box this week, man. So I'm very happy. I know we're not supposed to eat watermelon for the white people, but oh. I'm telling the world I'm getting I'm getting down on some watermelon. Watermelons have come have become ripe in this area, so I'm all over them right now. You're not even, four weeks. You're not even supposed to admit it. I would love to get some. I I don't even know where to get a watermelon with seeds now. Yeah, get one with seeds, baby. Uh, yeah. Mine are seated. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I can't I got, even find I, You can't find one. There's a, um, there's a, the local farmer is actually a Rasta. Uh, nice. Uh, so it's all organic. Everything on his farm is organic. You know, he, he ain't about that, you know, seated. Like that's hybrid. Like get that out of here. The, yeah. And not yeah. the unseated. That's hybrid. Get that out of here. So it's all yeah. seated. Yeah. Take take a third a third of that watermelon and a quarter strawberries and juice that shit. Yeah, I don't I don't even buy it because yeah. like all the every every store I go to, it's all seedless. You know these people out yeah. here on Long Island, they don't want any seeds. Oh they yeah, no, nah, it's, it's not just Long Island. <laughs> it's not right, and that's not just Long Island either. No, that's yeah, everywhere. Yeah, that's that's everywhere. It's, hard, that's it's, it's hard to find yeah. seeded out here. It is hard to find seeded. Yeah, there's actually a woman in Brooklyn, a food for Negus, that she does seeded yeah. uh, watermelons. Uh-huh. Um, she does all alkaline vegan stuff. So re- she's mm-hmm. she's she's a CB follower, Doctor Sabi follower. Is that reverse food? Uh, reverse food racism there? Like if I if a white person goes in here, can they also buy a watermelon, or do they uh, just they, uh, the price they, up by a dollar or something? Well, I hope that they jack the price up, but they'll sell it. I know they will sell it to them. You know, if if white people had to deal with all the stuff that we have to deal with, and they're teaching AI that too, which is the crazy thing. 
I told you all about that um, AI argument that broke out in that group that I was going through. But I learned that more from, from AI. Like, there was an Asian person who actually put in, um, make, me, make my picture more desirable for work for LinkedIn. And she put a picture in, and the picture came back and gave her blue eyes and blonde hair and straightened out some of the features on her face. Yeah. Um, mm. So AI is learning that it's, it's being built for white people. Well, it's yeah. only as good as the people who are programming yeah. it. It's got to start off with some core ideas. Well, and what are those core ideas? It's going to be easier for them to target different people. You know, and then I was watching something else today about this affirmative action because, you know, you know, we we take everything in stride. So, you know, affirmative action and uh, admissions and everything. Black people were, some black people were upset, but most were like, eh, you know, whatever. We already know what it is. But um, this guy had, was speaking to Congress, and it was a black person. I don't know if he was a, I don't know what he was doing there, but... He said that he had taught at Georgetown for eight years. And at Georgetown, he was told by the administration when it came to Asian students for the class partition patient part of the grade that they could hand in written work. Their written work would be con- was to be considered their class participation because they traditionally don't participate in class. How is that not bias? So that means that you or I, a black student, a white student, a Hispanic student, we have to participate in class for that for that portion. But an Asian student does not have to do that. All they have to do is write it down. Does the does the helicopter mom know about that practice at Ivy League schools? Probably. Absolutely. Yeah, just like they know about getting uh ADD notes for their children, so that they don't, so that they don't have to. Where my my daughter didn't have didn't have a, a, any kind of learning disability that we know of, because she do some shit that sometimes I wonder. But um, <laughs> they you know, all the, yeah, a lot. You know, a lot of these parents, man, they get the they get these notes saying that their children had these learning disabilities, and then all of a sudden their tests are not time. So where my daughter has to do her test in an hour, these children get. As long as they need. As long as they need, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, there's, there's bias everywhere. You know what I mean? As long as you got people running the system, you're going to have bias. The most biased thing I can think of right now is this shit that's happening in the NFL with these running backs. Oh, terrible. You know? Yeah. So, you pay, you pay they paid a, a tight end, Cole Komet, in Chicago. Ain't never made no kind of special play. They pay him four years, $50 million, and they won't give a running back. A, a two-year deal worth twenty-five. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's just bias. I was talking to one of my brothers on the Wisdom app, and he does a boxing. He does a boxing portion of the show, and everything. And um, we were talking about he's. Um, we've had some pretty good conversations on that app. You guys should really check it out from time to time. But um, generally, we were talking about what goes on with. Um, I'm sorry, where were we at before a second ago? I was actually looking it up. Oh, bias. Bias. Bias, yeah. Yeah, And you were talking about the boxing. Yeah, oh, he was talking about his job. And he does some job, and basically they had announced that his job, that they were going to do wall cuts. And he had realized, at one point he realized that everybody at his job had been hired um, from the hometown of the HR department. Um, so they were like, there's like four or five people at his job, and they were all hired from the hometown of this one person's a- HR department. And of course, he's the only black guy there. He does a ton of the work, and things were coming down. And they were saying they told everybody, "We got to cut your salaries and everything." And when it got to him, they were like, "No, we're not going to cut your salary," because he was already so low that they couldn't cut him. Everybody else is getting paid more money. And I told him, I said, you're the Saquon Barkley of your job because I bet you get a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And everything. And that's really the pay scale. The pay scale for running backs in the NFL is really the pay scale for black men in the United States of America in a lot of places. 
Or if you're right. going to do a management position and you're going to ask for a raise, you know, there are plenty of times when I was like, you know, this person get, is getting 40000 for this. And the guy was like, yeah, no, but we are only going to pay you thirty-three. Right. You know, and this is like back in the day. So you're used to that. You're used to that, unfortunately, and you shouldn't be used to that. What's going on with these running backs in the NFL? They're basically using these guys up. They're getting, it's like basically for NFL owners, running backs are their welfare. Right. Well, they pick, they pick the position not to pay. You know what I mean? And then, I mean, running backs, it's a, it's a hard, it's the hardest physically, it's the most, one of the most physically taxing jobs that exists in sports because every hit, you know, is like a car collision. Right. So, you know, you give a guy so like like last year, you give a guy like Josh Jacobs who bet on himself. You know what I mean? Like, OK, I'm going to play. I'm going to play this year. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. I'm going to play this year and I'm going to ball out. And he does. But they give him three hundred and twenty five, three hundred and fifty carries however many, or touches, however many touches he had. So then after he leads the league in, in all purpose yards or rushing yards or whatever he led the league in. Then they come back when he when he's like, all right, look at what I did. Boom. Time to pay up. They're like, well, nah, you had too many carries last year. We can't pay you that kind of money. See, the crazy thing about it is that when you remove the running back from the game, you might as well just be playing flag football. Now it's just like, right. it's really yeah, seven, seven on seven. seven. It's really yep. seven on seven. So um, you're not going to pay. The, so basically you're paying these guys crap to be like just basically bouncing balls. I, someone pissed me off about that Saquon thing today because, like, Giant fans are, they're like, it seems to me like um, contract negotiations now because of analytics and because of the nature of sports right now, they become very racial where you have um, white people. Maybe they become. Well, you know, it's always been racial, but what I'm saying is that it's more polarized with fans. Fans are actually invested and the part about Josh Jacobs not getting paid is one thing. The number of people who had an opinion and were actually happy that Josh Jacobs didn't get paid is something completely and totally different. That's the part of it that's literally disgusting. You want to watch this game. It's a very violent game. The people that are incurring the most violence are the running backs. So you use that against them. For getting paid like for example today somebody said that about about Saquon Barkley they were like well you know Shane is smart but it's now come out that the Miami Dolphins wanted to trade for him they offered the trade for him and so mm. what that does is with that trade you trade for Saquon they're not going to trade for him and not pay him so essentially what the GM of the Giants did was keep the production and also keep him down. Stop him from getting paid. And fans are generally happy with that. That's the same, same thing that's going on right now with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, you know, he, he's requesting a trade. And the owners, the owner, well, Jim Ursay, you know, Jim Ursay is just Jim Ursay. He, uh, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to trade you and I'm not going to pay you. Yeah. So right now he's on... Uh, like the non-football injury list or some shit. But if he got hurt working out, how is that a non-football injury? I mean, true enough, he wasn't playing. But if he's working out to stay in shape, wouldn't that be considered a football injury? They use all the leverage that they can to um, basically bring it, stick it to these players, to these guys. And they're not going to have, they're going to have, you know, a lot of them get CTE, a lot of them can't walk. I was talking to um, Gary the other day and everything, you know, from Gary Brown. Gary you Brown. Know, Gary Brown. Mm-hmm. I had called him up and everything, check on him, see how he was doing, how he was doing. Big shout out to big, you know, Gary Brown right now. But Gary's a guy that we went to school with, and he played like, you know, roughly bounced around practice leagues and leagues for like, you know, three or four years in the NFL. Ended up going to the Canadian Football League, playing a number of years there. And now he goes to therapy all of the time. 
not I'm not saying that. Listen, he lived a great life, and he's written about it, and he's accomplished a lot of different things. But this is the price of football. It's the price of professional football. And to see pe- people out there actually rooting against these guys that are going to have obvious problems in the future, don't tell me that $10 million is that much money. $10 million is basically $5 million after taxes. And, you know, he's got to live someplace where he's not next door to you right now. So if he doesn't manage his money, they don't manage their money. You know, if you've made $20, $20 million, technically $20 million at the end of the day, that ain't nothing. This is pretty much, you can consider that it could be all the money that a player is going to make their entire life. That that mm-hmm. person is going to make and they're going to be able to. And it's just like, it's just so shitty. So shitty to do that to a person who expect them to do your di- dirty work. And they're not paying for the production. What they're basically saying is that we're not going to pay for your production. If you go out this season and you run for 1,400 yards and everything, that's a bargain for us. It's a boon for us. It's a bargain for us, and we'll get somebody else next year. And we'll get somebody else next year. And my argument was like this. These guys say, oh, he's so smart. Oh, yeah, we could have just like signed a running back. They're a dime a dozen for $2 million. I'm like, look, if he was really – if that's really what it is. You really love the money that much. Why didn't the GM trade him for a second round draft pick and go out and get one of those guys? Right. Yeah. Get you a new guy. But they want to keep the right, but they're willing to pay $10 million. It's not a, it's a no brainer. 10, $11 million. No brainer. But anything more than that? No. Cause then you're going to bring up the average for the next guy and, you know, these guys are not going to be so inexpensive. They're all colluding. But is, isn't, isn't that the way the NF, isn't that the way sports contracts work, though? Like, past practice has been the next guy, Justin Herbert, just signed the, the highest contract ever. You know, uh, Chris Jones, highest contract ever. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're the best at your position or – among the best at your position, you ain't even got to be the best because Pat Mahomes is probably is probably still the, is probably the best right now. But you got people already that are making more than Pat Mahomes. Joe Burrow is gonna make even more than that. So so every every guy that's good breaks the record of the guy previous in every position in the NFL except running back. This is this is this is new in that they're actually dialing back a position because running backs used to get those checks too, right? And that now that the analytics has to has started to influence the way that they construct rosters, and like no, we gotta we gotta balance it, we gotta save money somewhere, and running back is where they've decided to do it. This is this kind of right. new, and not not only are they not paying them, they've decided that drafting them as high draft picks is not even worth it anymore. Right. So you limit them, you, you limit them on the front end, and then you don't want to pay them on the back end. So how do they? So how do they get their due? I think it's collusion, honestly, and I think that what it's going to take. I was thinking about it yesterday. I think that what it's going to take is that once one of these guys retires from the NFL, to double back and sue the NFL for collusion, because essentially that's what it is. It's price fixing. It's um, price gauging. Look, if the Dolphins were willing to trade, were willing to make a trade, and you're going to give them, you have him, um, a franchise tag is what? Two number one draft picks? So right there, franchising a guy says that anybody that's worth two number one draft picks is worth $15 million a year on your team. Okay? What I think it is is... They're never going to go back, and they're not going to change it because they've got a good deal. I mean, we all know that the NFL owners are the biggest pricks that there are in, like, you know, in the United States of America when it comes to an ownership group. They're not going to renegotiate, and I think that, Rob, what, um, they wouldn't have to renegotiate for 10 years or 8 years. I forget, how long, I forget how long the CBA is, but they got a, they got a while on it. They, they just redid that. Right. Yeah, they just yeah. redid it. Because the best the best thing that you could do for a running back, really honestly, is you should give them benchmarks. If you're going to use them up like that, give them benchmarks. If you're a rookie or you're a player and in your first two seasons you rush for 2,000 yards, you automatically become a free agent. 
after two seasons. If you rush for um, a combination of eight, eight, 800 yards and you, you catch, um, combine an additional, an additional like 400, you know, receiving, you reach 1,200 combined yards and you do that for two seasons, your first two seasons in the NFL, or you reach that 2,500 mark in total yardage, you should be a free agent. If you're not going to pay these guys, because if the argument is that the wear and tear is what stops them from getting paid and everything, well, the ones that actually achieve should have the right to get paid. Right. So, you know, and then this way, what that does is that after two seasons, now you have to make a decision on this guy. You either have to franchise tag him and pay him $10 million when he's actually earned it and he's actually still got something left in the tank. Or you have to let him walk to another team that's willing to pay him more money. And I think that's an actual solution. Yeah, but if they all become free agents, then do they really have to pay him more money? No. But what I'm banking on is the simple fact that it's the same reason why they didn't trade Saquon Barkley. And that is because he has too much value. They don't want to. They don't actually want to get rid of the Giants. Don't actually want to get rid of Barkley. They just no. They they, why they want him and need him. Yeah. Yeah. They they want him and need him. They just want to use him up. They want to make sure that they get every dollar out of him and some that that's not even coming to them. And how how much do they pay Daniel Jones? <sighs> he just got forty million per. Right. So you're not even, and you ain't, he ain't even the top. He, he may not even be in the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. They did a um, study of GMs this week. It's anonymous. And I think he came in at like somewhere around 18 or it's right. somewhere around. Yeah. There. He was like middle to bottom. Right. I mean, so you paying, you paying this joke of 40 million a year. I think, I, I think he, he, got, he got you missing Eli. Right. Listen, I think I, as far as him as a quarterback, I think the jury is still out on him as a quarterback, honestly. I think that he's um, – I think that he um, he showed a lot when he when he tucked the ball and he pulled it. As far as throwing the football with the receivers that the Giants had, um, can't really tell. Is he accurate? Yeah, he's kind of accurate. He is sometimes accurate. Um, do I think that there's a possibility he's a better quarterback than he's shown? Yeah, but you don't pay him forty million for that. You know? So here's the thing, in 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 the NFL, the the reporting is biased because a quarterback like Daniel Jones, they'll say, well, he hasn't had the receiver core, he hasn't been in been in the same offense or whatever. He's had different offensive coordinators, blah blah blah, and they'll still pay him forty million dollars. Yeah. But but a guy like a guy like uh, Teddy Bridgewater, let's say, who similar circumstances has gone from team to team everywhere that he's gone, he's produced. A guy like uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett, similar circumstance, he goes from team to team everywhere that he goes, he produces. But the narrative is always he's not good enough. Why is Daniel Jones good enough? to make $40 million, but these guys who actually produced and won something, I mean, not a Super Bowl, but I'm saying won, you know, a handful of games in a small sample size, but they've won a lot of games in that small sample size, whereas Daniel Jones got a big sample size and ain't won that many games. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's the reporting that's biased. It's the reporting. The entire thing is skewed. To a to a to a, I don't know, a pro quarterback, pro and the prototypical quarterback is six three, white boy, blonde, blue eyed, you know that whole that whole deal. Patrick Mahomes comes in, and Patrick Mahomes is even is even biracial, but you know, that's the narrative. We got we got these big white boy quarterbacks. We are gonna pay them all the money we can pay them. And then we got these big burly brute uh, black running backs. We're going to pay them as little as we can pay them, but we're going to use them to death. Ain't no rules to, ain't no rules to stop nobody from hitting them. 
below the knee at the head. It's all sorts of rules to stop people from hitting the quarterback. You see what I'm saying? It's just it's just a bias totally, in my opinion. Well, if we're going to be honest. You ain't Rob, wrong. You're not wrong. Go ahead, Rob. You got something you want to say? No, no, no. That was it. You ain't wrong. If you're going to be completely and totally honest about it, um, our quarterback, Daniel Jones, he probably wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for Saquon Barkley last year. You know, this offensive line is either 29th or 30th ranked during the season last year. Um, No holes. The man gets hit. You know, they talk about his yardage, but the man has been, like, getting hit in the backfield since before he got drafted. The Eagles came up. He's like Barry Sanders. Yeah, they came into the draft, and the Eagles, like, started hitting him in the back before he even got to the podium and everything. So they haven't – he hasn't had anything. The guy wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't – but, you know, as you were speaking and everything, and I've been thinking about the dynamics of the NFL with everything that's happened with Col- from Colin Kaepernick all the way up, and I think that the NFL is probably the purest form of a business in the United States that we have here. Um, and let me explain to you why. Because we have the rich owner who's definitely not in touch with his players and he's not interested in getting touch with this players in most cases you know the days mm-hmm. of the guys like you know intermingling the owners of the company intermingling with the players the Roonies the Maris those days are over now it's corporate it's all money it's all cash and that's what it is um, the second part about it is that we have an obvious bias where the hardest worker on the field is getting basically paid the least amount of money and, you know, they're very happy with the cap there being Christian McCa- being Christian McCaffrey, by the way. You're never going to mm-hmm. get paid more than him. When he got his contract, that was very con- um, questionable as far as I was concerned. He wasn't even right. a great rusher. And you want to talk about a guy who hasn't stayed on the field, but nobody says anything about McCaffrey. They actually make trades for him for high draft picks, and that's what it is. But nobody's going to say anything about that receivers are treated a certain way until they get to a certain age. And then once they get to that age and they get that big contract, they become they they become an albatross for the team and for the organization. And people look for them to either catch touchdowns and put up like ungodly numbers, or they want them dead. Um, those are your only choices. The best position to play in the NFL is really interior linemen at this point in time because you get the biggest, yeah, Rob, you get the biggest paycheck. You're doing a lot of work there, but you're getting the biggest paycheck out of anyone that's involved in anything in this thing. And, um, you know, none of the, none of the drama, you know, you just get paid. Yeah. A couple G's worth a couple G's worth of trauma on every, on every play and every practice and every game. Right. Then I, then but again, beyond that, right. If I, if I just mentioned Gary, as I said that, so generally like, you know, these guys, I've never met a professional football player that didn't have a limp. That wasn't like, you know, oh yeah, that wasn't like, you know, you know, they're still tough, big, strong men. After they retire from the NFL, you can get a lot of those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, they they, they so, move more gingerly. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot absolutely. of work here. And it's definitely, it's not a fair thing. It's not a right thing, but it is a thing. It is what it is at this point. So these cats are, they're taking a, they're taking a big hit and you've got ownership. You've got coaches that, you know, you, you've got this Rooney rule. So you can't get black people into management there. And oh. if they, and they basically it's lip service, just like affirmative action has been for years it's like the perfect microcosm for the United States of America. We have, they pay the talent to entertain them, and they're trying to pay them as least as possible. They pay the one elite player more money than the rest of them, and his job is to keep everyone else in line. It's just a microcosm for life here in the United States of America, and it don't get no better. So, How long, how, how many years has uh, Daniel Jones been the quarterback for the Giants? This will be his fifth Three. season. This, this is his fifth season. season. Mm-hmm. Name name me a black quarterback that's been allowed to lose for five seasons and keep his job. Well, 
he was a first-round draft pick. They had a couple of years, and the Giants were being run like a mess. Like, the mm-hmm. reason why he's still the quarterback has more to do with the fact of the leadership beforehand. And last year was really a tryout season for Daniel Jones, and it was a tryout season for Saquon Barkley. They decided that they saw enough of Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley that they can take the risk and they can actually keep him. How that's going to work out, I don't know. They got that guy Jalen Hyatt, who I honestly feel like is probably the best steal of the draft this year. Because how that guy ever got past anyone, I don't understand how he goes in the third round. But then again, it goes to what you're saying about them trying to pick these players, these position players lower so they can pay Mm -hmm. them less money for a longer term and everything. And there's definitely elements of collusion there, and you're not going to stop it because at the end of the day, even that lawsuit is probably going to lose because they're going to say, hey, you were represented by a union. Your union negotiated the contract. Limp your ass out of the courthouse and back to your home. And they're going to say limp and everything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But again, name me a black quarterback that's been allowed to lose for five seasons and keep his job. Yeah, good luck Deshaun, with that. Deshaun Watson was arguably the greatest court was one of the better quarterbacks in the country, in the NFL. He was one. Of, he was top five, and he got ran out of town. And clearly, those charges were trumped up because he's playing back in the NFL right now. Yeah, they are. Chicago is already talking about replacing Justin Fields if he doesn't have a good year this year. Really. Yeah, And a lot of people yeah. said that he had a lot of promise. Mm-hmm. There are people that are as high on him as they are as low on him at yep. this point. I don't get it. But guess what, fellas? Yeah. Chicken butt. Chicken butt. Oh. Go around the corner, lick it up. I don't, know how we, I don't know how we did it because there really wasn't much. We had to mix in stuff that we don't even like to talk about all the time. Like... You know, conservative. Well, you love the you love the Giants. I do love the Giants. <laughs> and I do love the and Giants. have for many years. Yeah, I'm a, but you know what? My love is my love is waning, bro. This whole thing, like this whole thing with with Saquon, it's not even so much. It's not even so much the team. While it is how they handled that, because honestly, we love football because of the Warriors. You're not going to play the Warriors. You're not going to play the Gladiators. Like, you know, like that's like, ugh. You know, second thing, they make it based upon injury. Everybody on a football team, every position gets injured. So mm-hmm. it just seems very disingenuous to me. They they get injured at, running backs may get injured at a higher, le- at a higher rate, but it's not that much. Hell, Jalen Ramsey and everything, he's out until like game 10 or 12. Yeah, like and, December. Yeah. And he just... He just signed his big contract. So don't tell me that it's about that. It's about the fact that you feel like you can. You got to have one person that you spit on on your team. And I don't like it. And a lot of the comments from my fellow Giants fans and a lot of the sections really just turned me off. It's like sort of like you don't want to be on the same team. You don't want to be on the same side as these people because they're really cretins. Your life isn't going well. You've got a negotiation with your boss and everything. Things didn't go so well. Oh, well. You know, you deal with that, but you don't take it out on these guys and make them look worse. And I just think it's just, like, very shitty. It's just all, it's just all like, disgusting to me. I don't like much of it. So, and it's like, I really, this whole, like, running back thing in this offseason has brought me back to the Colin Kaepernick thing where I'm not even so sure I want to watch so much anymore. And I feel like the Giants have a good chance to actually make a move up. But I'm not sure how many games I'm going to be watching. No, they don't. They, do. they don't have a good chance. They do. No, they don't. They do. Trust. With a happy Saquon, you know. How, where, where, where are they, they going to get a happy Saquon from? Exactly. He's, right. he's, he's pissed off all year. Exactly. And yeah. know, he's, like, trying, he's trying to stay safe and get to his next contract. Well, yeah, because... If once when 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 the toe hurts when the toe hurts, hey, I can't play. Yeah, well, here's what the here's what the Giants are here's what the Giants are like betting on. They're betting on 
they're going to have a better offensive line. They're going to have an improved defense and a better offensive line. And all of a sudden, our quarterback is going to turn into um, he's going to turn into Mahomes part two, and he's going to start hitting everybody in the seam. And you know they brought in a million receivers. They're going to automatically go from being a running team to a passing team just because they're going to will it to happen. But their best bet was really building around their running game and giving Jalen Hyatt a chance to actually get acclimated, some of these other guys a chance to get acclimated and going from there. And you've taken the camaraderie of the team, and I don't care what anybody says if they're happy or not to be there. They all watch what just happened with their captain. Captain, They know Saquon Barkley, the only thing that guy does is live to play football. Mm-hmm. And they treated him like shit. So how can you love the game after watching your organization treat your best player like shit? And, you know, then they're going to go and they're going to do like they always do. They're going to pull one of the, one of these guys out of the side. They already did it. The um, left tackle, Andrew Thomas, they signed him long term. They showed the other guys, we value you guys. But don't worry about this one. He's just sour grapes. That's what the market mm-hmm. is. But, like, like these guys aren't wise enough to see it. It's shitty. It's shitty all the way around. I don't like it. I don't like this analytic stuff. This analytic stuff is ruining sports. It really is. Yeah. It's all it's all based on fantasy football now. It is. Fantasy football is a driving force. All these all these statistics and everything, analytics that people talk about, it's all based on fantasy. Listen, let me just put numbers together. Let me wrap at least the recording portion of the show so I can say like goodbye to Mr. Uh, Grant Lancaster from Detroit, Michigan, home of City Wings. 2896 West Grand Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan. Come down to get you some. Get you some wings. And Mr. Robert Brooks, lately of New Jersey, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you have something you like to say, Mr. Brooks, with the good looks. Wasn't 73981. Forecaster Boulevard. <laughs> there you go. Leave me the fuck alone. Mr. Robert Brooks, leave me the fuck alone. We're going to stop this recording. Born in trouble. Peace. <laughs>